Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, July 14th. I'm Lorraine Gasteres. These are today's headlines. The state of California locking down again as Florida becomes the new epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak in the United States. The growing battle over whether to send students back to school, the nation's second largest district, now says its schools will remain closed. And the body of Glee star Naya Rivera recovered in Southern California. The latest on that tragedy today on U News. As cases of coronavirus keep rising nationwide, California announcing drastic measures to combat the spread, shutting down many parts of its economy. This as South Florida becomes the new epicenter of the disease. Dozens of hospitals there running out of ICU beds. Here's the very latest. Dr. Anthony Fauci warning Monday the coronavirus pandemic is nowhere near over. It is truly historic. We haven't even begun to see the end of it yet. At least 27 states have put a hold on reopening businesses or reimposed measures aimed at slowing the spread of the virus. The most drastic measures announced in California, the governor ordering a second statewide shutdown of indoor activities. Effective today, requiring all counties to close their indoor activities. Restaurants, wineries, tasting rooms, movie theaters, family entertainment centers, zoos and museums, card rooms, uh, and uh, the shuttering of all bars. This is in every county in the state of California. Under the new order, 30 out of 58 counties will have to take a step further, closing fitness centers, places of worship, offices for non-critical sectors, personal care services, and indoor malls. This virus is not going away anytime soon. In New Mexico, the governor announced restaurants and breweries are only allowed to seat people outside at 50% of their capacity. And in Oregon, where the number of cases has recently risen, the governor expanded rules on face coverings to include outdoor gatherings where social distance cannot be maintained. Indoor gatherings such as birthday and dinner parties will be limited to 10 people or fewer. Florida now has more new cases of coronavirus daily than most countries in the world. 48 hospitals there have no ICU beds. Miami is now the epicenter of the pandemic. What we were seeing in Wuhan six months ago, five months ago, now we are there. During his press conference Monday, Governor Ron DeSantis facing criticism. You are an embarrassment. We're getting record-breaking cases every day and you are doing nothing. Jackson Health, the state's largest health system, reports at least 200 staff members are out sick. Nurses are now being outsourced from other states to help. Florida hit a record number of deaths today, 133 people in the last 24 hours. Meanwhile, Philadelphia has announced the cancellation of all large public events like festivals and parades through Listen to this. February of 2021, seven months from now, the decision does not affect private events. Meanwhile, the U.S. military is seeing its own spike in COVID-19 cases. The number of confirmed infections in July grew by about 4,000. And just since Wednesday of last week, cases jumped by some 1,700. Several military installations have now returned to more restrictive policies. 
Pentagon officials say there are currently more than 10,000 COVID cases in the military, including forces in the U.S. and overseas. But only three service members have died from the virus. Officials say the increase in military cases stem from the risk of outbreaks in civilian communities. And the unending spike in coronavirus cases in the United States is sparking fierce debate about whether to reopen schools. This as global health officials warn that the pandemic will intensify unless more countries adopt comprehensive plans to combat it. Andrea Linares tells us what some school officials are planning to do. The L.A. school district, the second biggest in the country, announcing that schools will not return to in-person learning this August. We have never had as many people infected or infectious. And we've never had as many people in the hospital as there are tonight. President Trump criticizing that decision just hours later, adding the decision to reopen schools should be on the local level. Schools should be opened. These kids want to go to school. You're losing a lot of lives by keeping things closed. Around the country, questions still loom as to what will happen in the next few weeks. Some parents and teachers are torn about whether to open schools in the fall. Two Arizona teachers who shared a classroom this summer with Kimberly Bird, a teacher who died from COVID, urging Arizona lawmakers to think twice. Opening up is not feasible and it's not safe for the people in our community. We don't want to open schools right now and have to learn from the mistake that we opened to school. This is human life we're talking about. New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo unveiled a plan. He says a region must be in phase four and the daily infection rate must remain below 5% using a 14-day average for New York schools to reopen. We're not gonna use our children uh, as a litmus test and we're not gonna, going to put our children in a place where their health is endangered. Meanwhile, Florida continues to set daily records. Teachers there uniting to fight a state order to reopen schools in the fall. For the first time in my 17-year career, I'm scared. Despite that state order, Miami-Dade County announced it will not reopen schools until the county enters phase two. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says the safest option is for students and teachers to engage in virtual-only classes, activities, and events while the highest risk would include full-sized in-person classes. However, a former acting director for the CDC says because schools are funded by property taxes, not reopening now could put poorer communities at risk. It means that wealthy communities may be able to make the changes so that schools are safe for their kids. Lower income communities are not going to be able to do so. So the same disparities we've seen play out in terms of who's dying from this pandemic with more black and Latino and Native American kids getting uh, 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 adults getting hit hard. You're going to see it play out with schools. The Atlanta Public Schools superintendent announced that the district is moving forward with virtual learning and the start date was pushed to August 24th. Meantime, WHO officials say their current studies show that the virus doesn't generally make children as sick as adults, but the research is still limited. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And now turning to Texas, with the increasing number of deaths in that state, morgues are overstretched and several counties are using refrigerated trucks to store the bodies of those who have passed away from COVID-19. David Romo has the worrisome picture in that state. 
COVID-19 deaths have led to crowded hospitals and funeral homes in South Texas, a problem that has made health centers install mobile refrigerated units outside to store bodies that cannot be received elsewhere. Juan Lopez is in charge of transporting corpses of people who have died at home. 10, 15, 20, 25 bodies a day. It's something nameless. Juan and his colleagues wear personal protective suits to enter the homes and do their work accompanied by police officers and justices of the peace who declare the deaths. Aaron Rivera owns a funeral home and says he has never seen anything like it in the area. I've never seen anything like this before. I'm just surprised. I'm scared. I'm scared because this is critical. It's serious. Local authorities justify the use of the refrigerated units. We have to be prepared. We're receiving more bodies than ever in our region. Remember the 14 counties, and we want to be prepared. Supposedly, the hospitals are full. It's hard. Many people go home and don't have enough help. Over the weekend alone, in Hidalgo County in South Texas, more than 30 people died, and the confirmed daily cases average was more than 400. Reported by Pedro Rojas in McAllen, Texas, David Romo, U News. In Houston, Texas, the mayor has proposed a two-week shutdown to deal with cases. Dr. Hillary Fairbrother is an emergency medicine physician in Houston. She treats both adults and children's, children with coronavirus. Doctor, what are things like in Houston right now? Houston is busy. Our emergency departments and our hospitals are full. Uh, we are in phase two for the medical, for the Texas Medical Center of ICU capacity. Uh, but I am, I am happy to report at this time, we are able to take care of everyone who needs us. And I do want to remind people that if, if they're feeling really sick at home, and if they are feeling really ill for a coronavirus symptom or a separate other disease symptom, we want them to come in. We want you to come to our hospitals and to our emergency departments so that we can take care of you. Don't stay at home if you are feeling unsafe to be at home. And doctor, as I mentioned in your introduction, you're treating both adults and children. Are there any differences that you're seeing in those two age groups? Well, certainly children appear to be less likely to get sick, and when they do get sick, they seem less likely to be seriously ill. Uh, some of the early studies that were done in March and April of this pandemic showed that children only really accounted for about one, less than 2% of coronavirus cases. Now, that's influenced by a lot of different things, and again, I can't um, I can't emphasize that a lot of children either don't get sick at all and remain symptom-free, or they have such minor symptoms that they really may never have been tested. So I don't think we have an accurate idea of how many of our children and very young have been made sick, um, but they do seem to be less sick than our higher-risk patients, which everyone knows is our elderly, uh, people with lung disease, heart disease, multiple medical problems. Um, it doesn't mean that children don't get sick or can't get sick, and I want to be very clear on that because I think the, the research has been pretty limited, and it was mostly done pretty early in this pandemic and not, frankly, necessarily in this country. So I think we need to be on our toes. We know that children can get it. It is not in any way that children cannot get coronavirus. Children can get coronavirus. They just appear to be less ill and account for fewer of the cases uh, than 
than we see in other parts of the population. And Dr. As we mentioned before, Houston leaders are calling for a two-week lockdown. As a medical professional, how would that help you? I struggle with lockdowns. I, I um, listen, we, you know, when we see spikes in coronavirus, we need to do something and we need to do something personally. And then we need to do something as a community and as a system, whether that's as a city or whether that's as a state is for officials to decide. What I can tell you is that certainly anything that is keeping people socially distanced Anything, anytime when people wear a mask and, and do that with 100%, so universal masking when they are in public, and anytime when we can keep people out of large gatherings and, and do that again at 100%, no large gatherings, especially no large gatherings indoors, that is going to decrease the rate of transmission of this virus. So people look at lockdowns, and, and, and I know that policymakers look at lockdowns as a solution to this. We all know that there are serious consequences to this. Every single time there's a lockdown, there's a loss in jobs. Um, our underrepresented minority populations are hit harder every single time there's a lockdown. We also talk about the consequences for our children and schools. And that, I mean, these are serious decisions, and I don't envy the people that have to make them. Uh, but we definitely, when we see these spikes, we have to react both personally, we have to be personally responsible for our own actions, and then we also need community and system-wide reactions to help us so that our spikes of coronavirus don't last for very long. And doctor, my last question, a very quick message for people watching you in Texas. Uh, Texas, stay strong. We are going to turn the corner on this. But I really, I need each of you to wear a mask. When you go outside, when you see other people, I need you to wear a mask. I need you to wash your hands and I need you to avoid large gatherings. I know we are all grieving. We are all exhausted. We all want to see our friends and our loved ones. We want to go and do fun things. I am with you. I, I just ask you that right now in the midst of this, that you stay at home, you wash your hands, and when you need to leave your house, wear a mask. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Hillary Fairbrother from Texas. Thank you. Meanwhile, in Washington, tensions are growing between the White House and the nation's top infectious disease expert. The Trump administration now denying it's trying to undermine Dr. Anthony Fauci. Edwin Beatty has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin? Lorraine, just yesterday we were talking about an increase in tensions between the White House and Dr. Anthony Fauci, and yesterday we do know that this administration had to step back. We had White House Press Secretary Kylie McEnany telling reporters that the White House is not doing opposition research. That means that they do not have a list with comments made by Dr. Fauci in the past to give, out, to give that out to reporters and make him look bad. She said that they were only answering very specific questions made by the Washington Post. Of course, President Trump had a lot to say yesterday, but he did not walk away without saying and without making clear that he does not always agree with Dr. Fauci. Let's listen. Well, I have a very good relationship with Dr. Fauci. I've had for a long time, right from the beginning. I find him to be a very nice person. I don't always agree with him. 
Lorraine, we do know that inside the West Wing, not everybody agrees with Dr. Fauci. One of them is Dan Scavino. He's a White House director of social media and assistant to the president. He posted on his Facebook account a picture that is a cartoon of Dr. Fauci turning to a faucet. And he wrote the following. He said, sorry, Dr. Fawcett, at least you know that if I'm going to disagree with a colleague such as yourself, it's done publicly and not covertly behind journalists with leaks. This is, of course, not a joke. We have a lot of experts of public health that do not like the way the White House is handling the pandemic. I can tell you that a group of four former directors of the CDC got together and even wrote an op-ed that was published by the Washington Post. They call it, we ran the CDC and no president ever politicized its science the way Trump has. They're not happy with the way some members of the administration are critiquing the guidelines published by the CDC. For example, the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, who said over the weekend that those guidelines are meant to be flexible and also they're, in a way, they're blocking the plan of the White House for schools to reopen by fall. But these former directors are saying that when it comes to the pandemic, people have to pay attention and everybody should follow the science and not the political games of the White House. That's my report live from Washington, D.C. Lorraine, back to you. We'll definitely see what happens in the coming weeks. Thank you, Edwin, for that report. And the House of Representatives is asking the Supreme Court to speed things up in the cases around President Trump's financial documents. The court ruled last week that House committees could seek the records from Trump's longtime accounting firm and banks. But the case was sent down to a lower court to further review the subpoenas. The motion filed by the House lawyer on Monday asked the court to accelerate the process because current subpoenas ends when Congress ends in January. Democrats want to want the records to further increase into a variety of issues, including alleged hush money payments, illegal foreign involvement in a U.S. campaign, potential money laundering and ethics violations. And you'll probably see interviews with Mary Trump soon. New York's Supreme Court has cleared President Donald Trump's niece to promote her tell-all book. That book titled Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, is already on the top of Amazon's bestseller list. Robert Trump, who is the president's brother and Mary's uncle, previously filed a motion to block it, saying it violated a confidentiality agreement. A court dismissed that motion last month, but a temporary restraining order remained on Mary Trump that kept her from promoting the book in the news media. That order is now lifted. The latest now on actress Naya Rivera, officials confirming they recovered her body in California's Lake Piru days after she vanished while boating with her young son. Grecia Lastra has the tragic story. The desperate search for actress Naya Rivera coming to an end, five days after taking her four-year-old son for a boat ride on this Southern California lake. We are confident the body we found is that of Naya Rivera. Rivera's parents visiting Lake Peru just hours after the discovery. The 33-year-old was last seen on this surveillance video. Authorities say she then FaceTimed her family. That video, key evidence guiding the search. Her son described being helped into the boat by Naya. Here's that he looked back and saw her disappear under the surface of the water. More than 100 personnel aided in the challenging search. Rivera's former Glee co-star joining her family and friends on the lake shore. Her career began as a child actor. Hello, Mr. Urkel. Now I love you just the way.
but it was her bolstering voice that catapulted Rivera into the spotlight, playing Santana Lopez, a character that resonated with so many in the LGBTQ community, coming to terms with her sexuality as a queer woman. She is the best thing that's ever been And shattering cultural stereotypes as the only Hispanic member in the Glee Club. You don't even know enough to be embarrassed about these stereotypes that you're perpetuating. That's not fair. Her former co-stars now mourning the devastating loss on social media. Demi Lovato, who played her girlfriend on Glee, calling Rivera's character groundbreaking. And daring Chris writing this moving note on Twitter. I was constantly moved by the degree to which she took care of her family and how she looked out for her friends. This is Grecia Lastra reporting for U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Delta Airlines just posted a $2.8 billion loss, its worst loss since 2007. Delta says as COVID-19 cases rise again, bookings are falling, forcing the company to once again trim its flight schedule. The airline had planned to add 1,000 flights a day in August, but Delta CEO Ed Bastian is confirming the carrier will now only add 500. Meanwhile, the airline saying that 17,000 Delta employees, almost 20 percent of its staff, have taken buyouts or early retirement packages, which means no furloughs for those employees who remain. And across the pond, British airline Virgin Atlantic is close to securing a $1.5 billion rescue deal. The deal will involve backing from Richard Branson's Virgin Group and hedge fund Davidson Kempner. The government is not involved in the rescue package. And after nearly a quarter century off the market, Ford has brought back the Bronco. The revived line is taking aim straight at the Jeep Wrangler. There are three versions, a two-door mid-size version of the off-road SUV, a four-door version, and a smaller off-roader called the Bronco Sport. The smaller Bronco Sport comes out later this year, and the main Bronco arrives next spring. The vehicles are expected to start at just over $28,000. Hamilton is still breaking new ground. The official cast album notched its 250th week on the Billboard album charts. It's never left the chart since its debut, and spurred by the premiere of the filmed version of the Broadway show, the album rose to number two on the chart, the highest charting cast album since Hair topped the chart in 1969. Maroon 
5 fans are making plans for next summer. The band had to cancel this summer's North American tour, of course, but it's just announced more than 40 dates for 2021, beginning July 15th in Chula Vista, California. Fans who purchased tickets for Maroon 5 shows this year can use them next year. He just fired his last assistant. Now he needs someone to paint a barn using only the color yellow. Okay, that's fine. Norway. Norway? Actual Norway? Jenny Slate plays an aspiring painter who heads to the Arctic in The Sunlit Night. Alex Sharp co-stars along with Zach Galifianakis as a Viking funeral chief who's actually from Cincinnati. Rebecca Dinerstein-Knight wrote the screenplay based on her acclaimed novel. The romantic comic drama debuts on demand Friday, July 17th. Mariti Morungi, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.